The singing of the doxology by the PCC student body begins Pensacola Christian College Chapel. At each chapel service, students have an opportunity to receive spiritual exhortation and enrichment during a time of music and meditation on God's Word. This podcast shares selected recent chapel messages from guest speakers, faculty, and staff. Welcome to the PCC Chapel Podcast. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, we're going to begin in verse 9 and read down through verse number 12. And over these next two chapels, both this morning and tomorrow, we're going to look at um, two groups of people on every college campus that we should be concerned about um, in a compassionate way, in an intentional way. And we may both find ourselves in these two categories, one we'll talk about this morning and one tomorrow, as well as concerned about others uh, who may be in this category. So let's look at the first one this morning, Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 9. The writer says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat, but how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken." This morning, we want to look at, first of all, this morning, how we can stop settling where we're living in isolation. So we're going to talk about the first category of college student uh, or adult or faculty member, staff member, administrative member, where we need to let people into our lives to help us as we grow in the Lord. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us today. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the worship. Thank you for the privilege to gather in this place again and to consider your word and its implications, its import in our lives. I pray that you would uh, challenge us and grow us and affirm, Lord, where we are on the right path and other areas that we can grow and improve in our relational skills and disciplines. Thank you for the gift of Christian community. Thank you for human relationships and all that they afford us. I pray that you would speak to each of our hearts today in the areas that we need. Bless this study, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. I was listening the other day to a podcast, the author was, that was being interviewed was talking about this concept he called teenagers of today screenagers, a new term that I had not heard before. And one of the things I've observed the last few years in, in our society, and especially even in our Christian ranks, is we've become accustomed to isolation. It has not only been mandated, it's become mainstream. And I just want to challenge and encourage you over these next two mornings to consider how God may want you to change and view this through the lens more perfectly of Scripture. May I say today, no matter how introverted or antisocial you feel, you will never reach your full potential alone. You will never reach your full potential alone. And so this is a stewardship issue. Our social skills, our social commitments, our social openness and receptivity to those that God has put providentially around us ultimately helps us to steward better what he has entrusted to us. In fact, I'll be honest with you, as a a graduate of this college, I remember going to classes and going through the day-to-day rhythms of of my college life and often looking for vocational skills, uh, looking for professional skills, even ministry skills. And yet, really, as I look back on it, one of the greatest gifts that God gave me in this place were the interpersonal skills um, that were gleaned and strengthened and challenged and stretched And so I trust that you also will take full advantage of those that are given to you. So here we are in Ecclesiastes, a book we have to be careful with as we open it, as we apply it, 
in our lives, but we find this little pithy section, verses 9 to 12, that just drip with wisdom and drip with um, things that can help us in our relationships with those that are around us. In fact, of all the things on planet Earth, there's nothing more complex um, than human relationships. And so we need wisdom from God, and I'm thankful He gives that to us in the text um, this morning. Now, we don't have time to read it, but back in verses 8 and 9, Solomon talks about the miser, the one who hoards, the one who holds on to all that he has and all that he wants to keep to himself. And after reflecting upon the vanity and futility of that That mindset, he now opens up to us these promises and provisions found only in community. So the question this morning is this, in a day where people are trying to go at it alone or a la carte their relationships, pick and choose, how do we go all in on the interpersonal relationships given to us by God? I want to give you today four areas of need, four areas of need that we will never have satisfied or fulfilled Uh, without committing to the context of human relationships. And so let's talk about those in the time we have left. Number one, look back at verse 9. He says, two are better than one because they have, notice this, they have a good reward for their labor. Number one, if you're taking notes, we will never be as productive alone. We will never be as productive if we live in isolation. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the wording of Proverbs 30 or not, where it talks about these three things, yea, these four things are despised or hated. A friend of mine posted the other day some things he hates uh, and listed these, and several of these resonated with me. Number one, raisins that pretend to be chocolate chips. Does that resonate with anyone today? You bite into it. Yeah, I got some amens there on that one. Uh, number two, turkey that parades as bacon. thought that was a good one. Number three, dogs that are smaller than cats. That's just something wrong with that. And then this one was my favorite, a decaf beverage that poses as a coffee. Um, We have an older gentleman in our church that always is saying as as he takes a cup of coffee at our uh, welcome center at our church, he will say, "Is is is this real coffee? He's always asking me that. And then he'll say this to me almost every Sunday. He said, you do know what decaf coffee, drinking it is like. And this is his analogy, as only he could put it. He said, drinking decaf coffee is about as fulfilling as trying to kiss over the phone. That's his analogy. Um, Can I just say to you this morning that there are things that, that we cannot, not only do we need coffee, we need community to be fully productive. Um, And so I want to encourage you this morning to consider where your productivity is suffering in whatever area that may apply, tangible or intangible, and consider where maybe there's a partnership or alliance that needs to be strengthened in your life. And so here in verse 9, the writer here says that two workers are better than one because through their mutual uh, cooperation, they are more productive. They produce more together than they would apart. And so the implication here is the miser who tries to keep it all to himself actually is losing ground to the one who opens up their heart and life to those around them. I'm a bit of an entrepreneur junkie. I love to hear and listen to how companies started, and many of you in the room are business majors and have a desire maybe to start something. And one of the things I've noticed that's a pattern when you you hear the startup stories of these, these, the genesis of these new businesses, is most of them who secure venture capital 
are required by that, that investment firm to have a co-founder. It's interesting, even in the business world, it is recognized the need for partnership and community, and so we are less than wise to seek to be the exception. Think about this this morning. There are opportunities in the near future that God may have for you that you will not be poised and ready to seize or to steward if these relationships have not been built in your life on a regular basis. One author said this, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. So may the longevity of our stewardship be sustained by the structure and the the building and investments we make in relationships around us. The other day I was listening to a man who was talking about um, several thousand college students have been interviewed and the question was asked, what one word would you use to describe your college experience and these years in your life with all that's involved in that? And the word that came back consistently from those college students was this word, overwhelmed. Overwhelmed. And may I say to you this morning that if you are there, if you feel overwhelmed this morning, it may have nothing to do with the burden, it may have nothing to do with the unanswered questions, it may have much more to do with the relational structure that's lacking in your life. And so we will never be as productive alone. Notice the second one in verse 10, for if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. So number one, we'll never be as productive alone. Number two, we will never be as healed, healed alone. I don't know if you ever played the game, speak out, is that bring any saliva uh, memories to mind where you have that little game, you put the little plastic apparatus in your mouth and you're trying to enunciate words and your teammates are trying to guess them. There are certain words, as we studied about last night briefly, there are certain things that are only conveyed in Christian community. They cannot be articulated when we are alone. We need to hear from others. We need to be helped by others in time of need. And so here he uses the analogy of an accident on the job, and one can help his companion. But if that man, that person falls when they're alone, there's no one to help them. There's no one to help them in this area of need. Wall Street Journal just had an article recently that was talking about that hospitals have seen the value of emphasizing preoperative requirements of health to ensure that those surgeries will be more successful that certain things have been put in order in order for that person to find healing. And for many of us, the stumbles and the failures and the struggles that are not preceded by healthy, vibrant relationships position us to struggle uh, in the aftermath. And so there are setbacks caused by others' mistakes and by your slip-ups in the future that cannot be processed, cannot be recovered from alone. The status of your relational skills and connections will determine whether you're able to fully heal or not. And by the way, you can't wait to start those relationships until that moment of need. James 5 and verse 16 says, Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that ye may be what? Healed. So our healing happens. Our help is found uh, in the midst of relationships. College student, this morning, there is coming a moment in your life where you will fall for whatever reason, and you will not be able to pick yourself up. Who already is in your life who will be be there, who knows you and will help you? 
These relationships you're building right now are vital. All right, verse 11. Again, now we find a third benefit of not being alone that should motivate us to lean into these relationships. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? Thirdly, we'll never be as warm. We'll never be as warm alone. Dr. Atkins uh, was my pastor growing up. In fact, he married my wife Heidi and I. Um, we were married uh, my senior year here as a town student. And uh, I don't know if he remembers this or not, but uh, we got married in my wife's country church in Carrollton, Ohio. And uh, my wife had everything just laid out. But if you ever notice how in weddings, things don't always go perfectly. It had nothing to do with Dr. Atkins, just for the record, before I get to the story. Um, but the weddings, there's always something that's not going to go as planned. And my wife had on kind of the banister between the stage and the choir loft, beautiful, just dozens and dozens of lit candles. And she had kind of weaved vines uh, through that, artificial vines through those candles. And so they're all there and the service begins and everything's going fine. Um, and then we had not noticed that the main uh, vents that fed the room when the AC would kick on, this was a June wedding, that they were right in line with all of those candles. And uh, no, we didn't burn the building down before I get to my point. But we began, the, the flames were all turning sideways. And you, you're, I, I'm standing there with my wife watching the leaves that are off of these vines, like right next to the, the wick as it would flicker and the, the air would come on. I thought it might get a little warmer than I was planning on in, in that moment. Can I just tell you that our lives are warmer they're richer, they're sweeter, they're fuller when, they're, when it's experienced with others around us. Uh, don't allow your flesh or bad experiences of the past to convince you otherwise. And so here he says that as in this day where lodging often was on the roadside or some uh, inn, and that when they were together at night that they could provide heat to one another. Relationships are messy and relationships are challenging, but there are things that they provide in our lives that are well worth the trade-off. We believe in the Trinity of God, don't we? The fact that God has always existed in community. And if God's not too good for it, then neither are we. In fact, I believe that that Trinity has warmed God and, and, and allowed Him to relationally experience uh, this benefit throughout eternity. And so He invites us into this same experience of relationship. May I say today, college student, there are seasons of winter circumstances in heart that will end in emotional and spiritual hypothermia without a robust, resilient support system of others around you, where you don't feel for God what you once felt for God. Uh, you don't have the closeness and the favor and all the things that one season you did, and it's in those moments that friends will warm and strengthen your heart. Don't wait until that moment to try to reach out and build these relationships. Um, one of the interesting things that's come out of the last two or three years with COVID is uh, what is called in counseling circles dual diagnosis, where those who have maybe some other challenge, they self-medicate. Um, and, and one of the articles that was just released last week was the fact that liver disease has just skyrocketed due to folks drinking alcohol to try to warm and to fill their life in lonely moments and disconnected moments. And so may we not go down that road or another like it. May we not process 
life and its struggles alone. Freud said religion and religiosity is pent-up sexual desire, to which I would push back. Sexual desire is pent-up religiosity, the need to be fulfilled. We'll find something to fill us, something to warm us. May it be God-honoring community. In fact, just before we get to our last point uh, this morning, why do you think Solomon had all of the wives and all the concubines, the same one that's writing this section of Scripture? Just a thought this morning, could it be he didn't have a friend like David had with the name of Jonathan? He didn't have a wife named Abigail who challenged him. He was alone. And so as he processed life and all of its vexation of, of spirit and vanity, he looked to other things to warm him. May we be found in friendship. All right, lastly, look at verse 12. And if one prevail against him, here's the fourth benefit, two shall withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Number four, jot this down. You'll never be as secure. You'll never be as secure alone. I don't know if you're an extrovert, and by that I mean you refuel when you're around people and you're depleted when you're stuck in a room by yourself, or if you're an introvert today when you're around people, it it takes away energy from you, and if you can get alone, you can recharge Whichever category you're in obviously affects your view of our study today. I would lean toward being an introvert. A perfect day for me um, is just me with some hobbies or something of interest or with my wife, but not being necessarily in a large crowd like we are um, this morning. My wife recently bought me a coffee mug. Um, You know how we'll say like it's snowy outside or it's, it's, it's sunny outside. My coffee mug says on it, it's peopley outside. It's too peopley outside. Maybe that's you today, that you feel like the, the peopleiness of, of life, and even in, on this college campus, it, uh, it's a threat to you. It's a threat. It makes you feel insecure. The writer here says the opposite, that our insecurities are not the result of all of these people around us and how they may threaten us or pose a threat to us, but it's being absorbed with ourselves, such as a shy person consumed with what everybody thinks about them. And so our insecurities are answered and resolved through Christian community. And notice two things quickly he says here. In verse number 12, he says, if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. We don't know for sure what he's referencing, but likely someone breaking into a house, a thief, that if there's only one to resist, that thief is able by shock and awe to overwhelm the victim. But if there is two to withstand against him, they can resist the intruder. In verse number 12, uh, you notice at the end, he says, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. These strands, three of them twisted together, are more than three times as strong as three separate strands, which speaks to the compounding effect of relationship. One plus one plus one does not equal three. It's, It's more than that. There's a compounding effect of strength and security that comes when we are in friendship with others. In fact, the alliance of three here may be an allusion to the, uh, to the trinity and the unity thereof. These three threads may symbolize the man and the friend and then the God who has brought them together, this threefold cord that is not easily broken. And so Solomon begins, if you look back at verse 9, he says, two are better than one. And then in verse 12, he says, and by the way, three is better than two. This growing effect of 
of relationship and its, effect, and its impact in our lives, specifically in the area of security. Now, if you've heard this term before or not, show me your friends and I will show you your future. May I say to you this morning, your future is only as secure as your friendships. And the reason for that is because what is true of me is also true of you. We are far too fickle and we are far too subject to the whims and moods of our being for our destiny to rely upon us alone. We cannot be the master of our own fate. We must work with others. We must relate to others for God to lead us to the future He has. All right, let's land today in Genesis 2. Could you go there? And I love how God gives us this text today, Genesis chapter 2, and let's look specifically at verse 18. Genesis chapter 2, and let's look, if you would please, at verse 18. Often we view relationship as something that is post-fall. It's something that we need because of how bad and difficult and dark our world is. But Scripture is clear in Genesis 2 and Genesis chapter 3 that community with other human beings was God's original plan. And in Genesis chapter 2, you'll notice in verse 18 that it says this, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him and help me for him. It is not good for man to be alone. And so here we see God declaring that Adam's aloneness was not good. All of creation was good, but his aloneness was not. And so he created for Eve, this re- he created Eve for this relationship that they could experience together. It talks about them being naked and unashamed. Uh, the word naked has the idea of being fully known. Unashamed means fully accepted. Fully known, fully accepted. Only then was this experience and this existence of Adam truly good. May I say to you today, opting out of or into relationships must be fueled by more than shallow motivations. They must be initiated and sustained by a deeper abiding theology that knows that you and everyone God has made that lives around you needs these relationships. And one of the things I'd like you to think about for just a moment is this, the relationships you're building right now are positioning you either to be more in these areas or to miss out in these areas. Where do you need to develop healthier relationships? Where do you need to be more intentional in your relationship with those that God has put uh, in your life? I pastor in Ohio, and one of the things that I often experience in pastoring is funerals. In fact, one of the saddest parts of these last couple of years has been people who have passed away alone. We have a dear lady, her name uh, was Jan, and I got a phone call on a Wednesday night during our small group, and the phone call was she just passed away. No family, no one there with her in our community hospital. She died alone. Several other folks in our church that I was not able to even be a part of a service for them And to be honest with you, sometimes I forget that they're gone. There's no closure. There's no uh, resolution of that loss and that hole that has been left. I want you to think about the last funeral you've been to. Uh, Not something maybe that's the most pleasant subject in chapel, but there's a point to this. The last one you went to, so you go to the funeral, you're there, they say some nice things, there's flowers and 
family members dressed in black, and folks stopped by to pay their respects. At the end of that service, there's an assembly mate somewhere near the front of the auditorium, and um, some men typically are the ones that are called to do so. The funeral director will call them forward, and uh, they come, and, and they begin to shoulder the casket to carry it out to the hearse. Um, it's put in the hearse, they go to the graveside, the back of the hearse is opened, and those same men, those same men carry the casket to its final resting place. I heard this question the other day that I'd like you to think about as it relates to our study. Who are your six? Who are your six? And by that, the gentleman who asked that question, he was asking specifically who, at the end of this life, who will carry your casket? And one of the saddest things that I've experienced as a pastor in those settings is being in a funeral where there's no one there who volunteers to carry it. And so in that setting, instead of it being a friend, a lifelong friend, or a buddy, or a gal that went through life with them. Instead, we have folks who are paid by the funeral home. Sometimes I've, as an officiating uh, pastor, helped carry the, the casket. And in that moment, it was exposed that that person, maybe some circumstances outside of their control, but that person did not have their six. I know it feels like it's a million years from now, but that moment is shaped largely by what you're doing this morning. And what you're going to do tonight and what you're going to do this week and the rest of this semester and the habits and relational skills that you're developing uh, will establish who are your six. And so may we be willing to acknowledge where we are settling for personal isolation and in its place to lean into the relationships that God has placed around us. And may I say this, for many of us, we look like we're friendly, we look like we're relational on the outside, but inside there's less than connection with others around us. Let's go back to our text this morning and let these words wash over you and let them challenge you. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, and let's begin again in verse number 9, and I'd like you to think about which of these God has brought to bear in your life. Verse 9, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. Are you trying to reach your full potential alone? Verse 10, for if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him. Where are you trying to heal alone? Where are you trying to get help on your own? Verse 11, again, if two lie together, then they have heat. How can one be warm alone? The blight of our day are people trying to find warmness and meaning and fulfillment all on their own. Where are you trying to be warm Alone. And then lastly, notice verse 12, and if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Where are we trying to be secure alone? As I think about my four years here at Pensacola Christian College, some of the most rich treasures and things that helped me to this day are not the things that I learned, though those were helpful, and the experiences that I went through, it's who I went through them with. Friendships and community, 
that still to this day feed my soul, strengthen my heart, and keep me in line with God and his word. You cannot do life alone and please God. You cannot fulfill his purpose for your life without community. May God help us to grow in his truth today. You've been listening to a message from Pensacola Christian College Chapel. You're welcome to pass this sermon along to others. Please don't charge for it or alter it without written permission from Pensacola Christian College. For additional information about PCC, visit us online at pcci.edu. Pensacola Christian College, empowering Christian leaders to influence the world for Christ.